Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. Uh, my name is Grant, one of the pastors here, and I am super excited to welcome all of you here to church this morning online. I'm by myself this morning. Uh, if you've seen a lot of the last previous streams, I love bringing up co-hosts here with me to host you through the morning and just welcome you all here, give you some information. But this morning, just being a loner, boring, I know. But uh, actually, I would love to get more and more of you involved in this kind of a thing. It's really fun, you know? So if you wanna be the next Cedar Valley celebrity, superstar, get in front of a couple cameras, get into our little studio here, let me know, send me an email, that'd be super fun. And if you don't get in touch with me, I'm probably gonna come after you because we're just gonna have a lot of fun here, uh, just creating this good morning pre-service show. So anyways, let's get it started. If this is one of your first times here, a special welcome to you. We are really excited that you have chosen to spend part of your morning here together with us online. And we would love to get to know you better. And one of the best ways for that to happen is to reach out to us, let us know you're here because we could see some like, basic statistics, but we might not know you very well yet. So you can shoot us an email, hello at cedarvalley.ca, send out in the comments like, hey, I'm new or whatever, right? And we've got people, we've got hosts on our chat streams. We just love to reach out to you and uh, let us know who we, let you know who we are and get to know who you are a little bit better, get you involved in our community. And uh, for everybody watching, one of the best ways to stay informed about all the stuff happening at Cedar Valley, even though a lot of stuff is at home or online, but is to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, and sign up for our weekly email newsletters. We send out devotional posts, pastors are on there regularly, different announcements, there's prayer stuff that happens back and forth. Uh, it's really great information, not just spam, it's, it's good healthy stuff. So sign up for those things, get involved and interact with the materials too, right? When you see a really good post, throw up a good amen on the comments there. If you see something that you like disagree with, let us know your opinion. And if it's really frank, maybe we'll just ignore it. But actually we would love to interact with you a little bit more rather than just shooting stuff out on the internet there. Here's a few things for all of you to know though, coming up. On February 6th, that's next Saturday, we are having a workshop on organizational structure and governance. And the reason why you're like, why would you do that? That sounds bizarre and weird. Our church is going through a transitional season, we're calling it. And that's because we've had our uh, uh, pastor, Dan Rempel, who was a lead pastor here for a good, long, healthy time, has stepped down and we wanna take a look at where God is leading our church for the future, what our next steps are. And so we've done uh, some workshops on our vision, mission, values. We have a transitional team and a transitional pastor, Pastor Rob, who's focusing exactly on that, what we can look forward to in the future, what's next. And we want to do this workshop just to give a sense of like, well, what kind of structures and organizational leadership governance models would help us best follow that out. So that's going to be online on Zoom next Saturday in the morning. You can head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca to sign up or register for that so you can get the link. Everybody is invited uh, and our leadership team will be present at that as well. And it's going to be a great morning, really heavy, really information good heavy information uh, but that we can implement into the future of our church. Another one that's coming up is we are asking for nominations for our leadership positions at the church as elders and executive board because we have a few vacancies. We want some of you who are inspired to commit some time, some prayer, some your whole prayerful lives into the, if you believe in what's happening here at the church, we would love to have you as part of our leadership team. And if you know somebody who has that kind of gifting, who has that uh, future vision site to see Cedar Valley grow in the community here of mission and to work for the kingdom of God well, nominate them. And you can do that by sending those nominations, those names and contact information to elders at cedarvalley.ca. Our leadership team and our pastoral staff will discern and pray over that, get in touch with that. And we will be talking about all that stuff at our next annual general meeting, which is happening at the end of February. That's gonna be February, 28. Again, it will be online on Zoom, but we're going to get all the information out there for you. You can sign up for that too to get reminders and good connection information um, for how to do that. But we want to do it safely and well, but also make sure that you're involved, that you get the information you need. You can ask the questions that you want to ask and that we can move forward together as a church really well. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. We want to get the service started here in just a few moments. We're going to start off with a time of singing. There's going to be lyrics on the screen. Our worship ministry has recorded some songs to lead you in worship in your homes. And after that, we have a lesson for the kids from Amanda, one of our teachers here. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, there is some science, there's some history, some storytelling, some 
hand motions like that too. Uh, but it's really gonna be good. So stay tuned for that kids and adults too. You're gonna have to go through that to get to the next part, which is Pastor Doug is bringing us our next message in our Gospel of John series, the one and only. We're focusing on how Jesus is revealed to be powerful, unique, human and God, but just absolutely amazing. And we've got this little graphic behind me here painted by Daniel. You're gonna see the little time-lapse of it, but uh, talking about this morning, um, the son of man, Jesus is referred to uh, and with parallels of Moses holding up the snake. So what, what does that mean? And what's a snake got to do with Jesus and the gospel of John? Stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really good morning. But before we head into all of that, I want to talk a little bit this morning with all of you. This past week on Thursday, it was Bell Let's Talk Day, which is, uh, if you don't know about that, it's an amazing movement dedicated to uh, ending the stigma of mental illness in our culture, and just in normal dialogue with your friends and family and neighbors and just around on the street. It's getting rid of slurs and uh, misconceptions and poor understandings about what mental health mental illness is and it also provides a lot of funding to support programs and organizations that help those battling with mental health mental illness so another huge part of that day has blown up on social media is being a sharing day a sharing hub for all sorts of great ideas and advice and links and places to go to to just learn information about this kind of thing because this past year, we've seen people stretched and strained in huge ways and anxiety and depression and loneliness is just exploding. And mental health is frankly plummeting in our society badly because of all of our isolation and the pandemic that's affecting all of us and in different ways. But what we wanna do, what I want us to do this morning is to, if you're watching live or even later in the week, but I wanna fill up our chat stream on the side to make that, turn that into a hub of ideas and information for how we can be supportive friends and neighbors. If there's anything you learned this week on Bell Let's Talk Day or something that you have of a past life experience or current experience, if you've learned a technique or a trick that is just a powerful way to reach out and be a supportive friend or neighbor, family member uh, for somebody battling with mental health, throw that in the chat stream because and share links or ideas or whatever it is, stories. But you know what that is? redemptive gospel work happening right here, even online, even on Facebook or YouTube, whatever it is. But I wanna spend some time focusing on that. I'm gonna give you a couple minutes to do that. Uh, floors open, share your ideas, it'd be great. Share your stories and let's collectively take some of the energy that we had on Thursday Bell, Let's Talk Day and see how we can implement that into our current lives, how we can be a beacon of hope and light and how we can actually really share the love of Jesus to those specifically who are battling with mental health issues. So thank you everybody for joining. We're in for a great morning and we will see you later.
Hey kids, welcome to church today. I'm so excited to be able to share this message today with you. I have a couple questions for you. Who likes to be loved? Look at that. Who likes getting hugs from their mom and dad? Oh, it feels so good to be loved. That's what we all want. We all want to be loved. Second question, who likes getting gifts? Look at that little boy, he's pretty happy. I know my little boy told me this week, mom, are the only times I can get presents at Christmas and my birthday? Because I think he would like to receive a gift every single week. We all love receiving gifts, it's really exciting. And the third question I have is, who doesn't want to die? Now, dying can, the thought of dying can actually be kind of scary because we really enjoy living. It's what we know. It's unknown to think about what will happen when we die. It can be a little bit scary. We don't want to be separated from the people that we love. Well, that's where my good news comes in. I have some really good news to tell you guys. Okay, so our series that we've been on the last few weeks is the book of John. And this week, our chapter is John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, there's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. I bet some of you know what it is. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Now the context of that verse, context means what was happening when Jesus said those words, John 3.16. Well, Jesus was actually talking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very important and respected leader and teacher of religious um, instruction in the day of Jesus. So he knew a lot about the Old Testament. His entire life was devoted to that. But he saw Jesus doing these miracles and teaching these scandalous things about God, saying that he was God. And it was really confusing for Nicodemus. So he decided he wanted to have a meeting in the middle of the night with Jesus so nobody else could see him talking to Jesus. And he had some questions for him. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus thought, be born again? What does that mean? Look at me, I'm an old man, my mother's dead. I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus was like, no, 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 no. When you are born of your mother, that's a physical birth. And then you can have a physical death. That happens to all of us. All of us are born and all of us will die. But there's another part of us, a spiritual life, and that's called our soul. And our souls never die. Jesus came to save our souls. So he was telling Nicodemus that only God can produce spiritual life. So that's kind of what being born again meant. All right. So that leads me to the question, why do our souls need saving? Our souls need saving because we are sinful. Every single person in this world is born with sin in their heart. That came from Adam and Eve. God created the world perfectly, his perfect plan. But Adam and Eve made the choice to disobey God. And from then on, all generations after Adam and Eve would be born with sin in their hearts. You know, if you think about if you've had a little baby brother or sister, you've watched them grow. They're so cute when they're little and then they grow up, but you don't have to teach them to steal your toys or to cry and throw a fit or to tell a lie or to be unkind. Those things just come out of us because we're all filled with sin. Now, the problem with that is God is holy. That means God is perfect without fault and he cannot have sin in his presence. So that's the problem. We have sin. The Bible says that he who follows all the rules, all the laws, and breaks it in just one little tiny point is guilty of them all. The Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. In Romans 6, 23, you might under, not understand what wages mean. Wages mean the result, the consequence. So if you think about eating a huge bucket of candy, if you eat a huge bucket of candy, the consequence or the wage of that will be a really sore tummy. So that's the same thing with sin. Because we have sin, the consequence of that is death, spiritual death. All right, this is really sad and depressing, but that's why I told you I have good news. God loves us too much to let our sin destroy us and keep us separated from God. 
Jesus came to earth, God's one and only son. He thought we were so special that he came because he loves us so much. Now, I want you to think about our galaxy, about our earth, for God so loved the world. Our world is right here. This is our galaxy, the Milky Way. And scientists in their, with their telescopes have discovered that there are actually thousands and thousands and thousands of galaxies. And look at all these stars. They've, they've discovered that in our universe, they can't even see to the end of it. But there are probably more stars. You know what our sun is. Our sun is a type of star. There are more stars than there are grains of sand on this earth. So if you think about how huge our universe is and how tiny our world is, and then how tiny we are on our world, Jesus came. He's the creator of this massive universe. He's so powerful, so huge. He decided that he would come to our tiny little world to save us. We're so small and insignificant compared to God's creation and his power, but he loves us. That's my message. He loves us so much that he came in human form to make a way for us to get to God because our sin stands in the way. All right, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid our debt. Remember I mentioned that God is holy? Well, because he's holy, he can't have sin on him or near him. So Jesus came to make a way. Um, the next image here shows that, remember that, that other image we had before? There was sin in, in between us and God. When Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to get from where we are here to God. It's it's. It's, it's kind of like when Jesus died on the cross, all the sins of everyone who's ever lived were on his shoulders and he paid that debt. He paid the price. So now when God looks at us, he sees his perfect son and we're welcome into his presence because Jesus has made that possible for us because he loves us and he doesn't want to see us separated from God. Now that's a gift. What Jesus did is a massive gift. It's a beautiful thing that he has done for us, but we have to do something with that gift. Now think about if you um, had a birthday party and your friends brought you a bunch of presents, they're sitting on the table, they're for you, the gifts are there, but you actually have to go pick up the gift, take it, receive it, open it, see what's inside and enjoy that gift. Well, it's the same thing with the, the gift Jesus has done by dying on the cross for our sins. We need to receive it. The Bible says that if we say, Jesus, I've sinned, I believe that you paid the price for me, you've paid my debt, you'll be saved. That's all you have to do. It sounds too good to be true, but it's actually not. That's why it's such a beautiful, perfect gift that he's done. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Being saved saves our soul from eternal death. We'll be able to live with God forever in eternity, but it also helps us be saved day by day because when Jesus becomes our savior, he gives the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and the Holy Spirit helps us make good choices, helps us with our sin day to day while we're living. So you guys, I'm so excited about this amazing news. I'm so glad I got to tell it to you. And if you've memorized John 3:16, could you have your mom and dad record you saying the verse? and message it to me, email it, or text it to me, and I will bring a special treat, a gift to you, to your house. Thank you so much for listening. Hey Cedar Valley and those who are joining us online here as well. My name is Pastor Doug and just a delight to bring God's word to you this morning. Imagine that the door is locked and bolted, the, the blinds are drawn, the lights are out. It's late and your day is done. Actually, it should have been done hours ago but it just seems that there aren't quite enough hours in the day. 
The night has enveloped your house in complete darkness. Sleep is calling. You check the, your check of the perimeter is, is done. The rest of your family are well on the way to dreamland. And now, like a zombie, you walk down the hall to your bed. Your eyes are shut even before your head hits the pillow. And then you're dreaming. Holding a large wooden item, maybe it's a, maybe it's a watermelon on your shoulder, and you're hitting it repeatedly with your knuckles as if you're checking its ripeness. The knocking echoes through the quietness of your mind. And then you awake, your eyes are wide open. <laughs> that was definitely weird. But the knocking continues. It's not a dream. It's real. And the knocking doesn't stop. Someone is actually knocking at your front door. Your first thought is that, well, it's just those dumb neighbor kids. Maybe they're playing Nicky Nicky Nine Doors, and you're just going to leave them alone. Now, for those of you who didn't have a childhood, Nicky Nicky Nine Doors is one of those great classic games that appears to be played the world over. It's when you would gather with a bunch of your friends, and you would head down the street, and you would dare each other to run up the driveway or the sidewalk and knock on the door a bunch of times and then take off without getting caught while the rest of you hid, hid in the bushes or behind a car. Now, the problem was where we grew up, the driveways were long and the dogs were big. So the chances of getting caught or mauled were quite high. Anyways, there's someone at the front door. So, you push your husband or your wife awake and tell them, hey, someone's at the door, go see who it is. And in John chapter 3, verse 1, we find that there's somebody at the door. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Now, we don't know why Nicodemus chose to seek out Jesus at night. Maybe Nicodemus worked late and this is the only time he had. Uh, maybe Jesus had so many people crowded around him during the day. This was the only time he could approach him. This is the only time that Jesus was alone. Maybe he was sent by the group of Pharisees, kind of on a secret clandestine mission to discover more about who Jesus really was. Maybe he himself didn't actually want anybody to know or to see him going to talk to Jesus. You see, as a Pharisee, we know that Nicodemus belonged to a group of very influential Jewish leaders. And these were Jesus' main antagonists throughout his life. And we also know that people resisted following Jesus for fear of being put out of the temple. Whatever the reason for Nicodemus and for us, it's never a bad time to come to Jesus in a crowd, on your own, in the middle of the night, with a question or a problem or maybe just a word of thanks. See, you won't get turned away. Even if your request seems insignificant, or maybe this is the 20th time in two days, you've come with the same plea. Remember last week in John chapter 2, we reminded that what is important to us is important to Jesus. And we find in verse 2 that Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God 
were not with him. Now, Nicodemus doesn't even really ask a question. He merely makes a statement about what he has observed about Jesus. But right here in this moment, Jesus knew that he needed more. See, that's the thing with Jesus. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. Jesus is able to ask the questions that answer the questions that we haven't even asked yet because he knows our hearts and our minds. He knows what troubles us and he also knows what we really need to know. And so we find in verse 3 that Jesus' response isn't even to this statement or really to a question that hadn't been asked. But he says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, understand that if Nicodemus didn't already have a problem with Jesus and what he was teaching, before this dialogue in the darkness, he sure would have had a problem now. For as a righteous Jew, he understood, Nicodemus understood, that he would be guaranteed to see, to enter, to possess the kingdom of God at the end of his life. Now, Jesus says, you must be born again. What? This whole born-again thing didn't make sense to Nicodemus. And this moment is literally the first time that these words, being born again, were used, were spoken. And they were contrary to anything that Nicodemus knew about God and about religion. And as a member of the Jewish ruling council, Nicodemus knew a lot. And so he responds, How can someone be born when they, are, when they are old, Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. <laughs> Jesus, what are you talking about? Do you even know basic human anatomy? This is not possible. He, he couldn't even comprehend what Jesus was saying. This was new information he had never tried to process before, and he was having a difficult time with it. And Jesus continues, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. You know, when we think about this, it really should not be a surprise to us that the spirit that worked through Mary for Jesus to be born is the same spirit that is at work to regenerate our life, that enables us to be born again. See, the Spirit of God has been an active part of our world since the very beginning of creation. And even King David spoke about the Spirit's work often in the book of Psalms. See, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus that being born a Jew will not guarantee entrance to the kingdom. He must be born from above born of water and the Spirit. Similarly for us, being born into a Christian home won't make you a Christian. Attending church will not make you a Christian, nor does being good or filling your life with charity work, helping others. We become a part of God's kingdom when we allow the Spirit to transform our lives. And, and see, I think part of the problem may be with us not really seeing the movement of the Spirit is that we tend to focus on our tangible senses, the sight, the hearing, the smell, the taste, and the touch. 
and we overlook the work of the Spirit in our lives. And it's possible that we can dismiss the reality of the Spirit. And yet, we would never dismiss the reality of the wind, which we also cannot see, but we can see its effects quite dramatically at times. And it's very interesting that Jesus equates the work of the Spirit to the movement of the wind, which has incredible power to move objects. And Jesus continues and he says, this should not surprise you. How come you can't understand this? And Nicodemus replies again, I still don't get it. I don't understand. And then Jesus continues their discussion when he says, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. You know, our conversations are filled with what we know, what we have seen. And if we have experienced the, the wind, the moving of the Spirit, the work of Jesus moved through his church, our church, the life of a friend, or, or even within us, then this is for us to speak of. And you know, it's not bragging or, or drawing attention to yourself. If we speak in terms of what Jesus has done through us in our life. See, Jesus receives the glory when people are drawn into his kingdom because we speak of those things we, we see and we experience. And then Jesus makes a turn and he gives an analogy that is, that is really difficult in some sense to understand. In verse 14, Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. See, he is telling us something here. To be born again by the Spirit to really be born again and transformed, something else needed to take place. See, and this is the key to understanding the salvation that Jesus brings. See, the wrath of God against sin needed to be removed. So Jesus uses this analogy from a time way back when the Israelites were wandering around in the desert. Jesus compares himself to a snake. Really quite shocking. The story is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Let me read it for you. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses, and they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. This was the manna that God miraculously provided on a daily basis for them. We detest it. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. Just so you know, I hate snakes. And I just thought I would put that out there for you. Even the small, harmless garter snakes that are in your backyard and, and in your garden, I can't stand them. Actually, I'm scared of snakes. And it was a few summers ago that as we walked, when we were in Vernon, that we ended up walking past a large coiled rattlesnake. We were on a trail to head down to this little beach called Juniper Bay on the east side of Cal Lake. And it was in an area called Rattlesnake Point. 
Now I had asked a local before we went out there, well, why is it called Rattlesnake Point? <laughs> he kind of goes, because there's rattlesnakes out there. But we went anyways. And right along beside the trail, there was this huge thing coiled up. And I tell you, just seeing that ruined my entire experience, my day at the beach. For I was constantly on edge, worrying that this a snake would maybe drop out of the tree or, or slither from out of a log or maybe come up to the bay from, from the water. It was difficult for me, to say the least. Let's continue with the people of Israel. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And in this moment here, in this discussion with Nicodemus about being born again, Jesus here is foreshadowing his crucifixion. Looking on him, looking up to Jesus, will be our rescue. Through him, the wrath of God will be removed and healing can take place. But, but the snake was a curse. How can Jesus identify with that? We're reminded in 2 Corinthians 5.2 and Galatians 3.13, listen. For our sake, God made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so we might become the righteousness of God. And also, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming the curse for us. And then verse 15, he continues, This happened, I have become this, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. This gives us eternal life. And all of this, this dialogue, this discussion, it's all setting up for really is probably one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible, John 3.16. And thanks, Amanda, for doing such a great job, not just for the children, but for all of us, in helping us understand and see the beauty of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But I want to encourage you this morning, this day, don't stop at verse 16. Verse 17 is so critical to understanding the heart of God. For verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Not sent to condemn, but to save. So if Jesus was sent into the world to save the world, then the church that lives in his name should be focused on the same thing. But unfortunately, there are times that the church has been condemning. Now, don't misunderstand me. We do not ignore or accept or celebrate sin. The world needs to know what we stand for. And clearly. And we need to stand firm in our con conviction of what we believe. But often the world sees 
the community around us, our neighbors across the fence, often what they see is just more what the church is against. And we should be continually displaying and championing what we are for. And that is Jesus. Our primary voice to the world needs to be that there is salvation through Jesus. And then if we move quickly through the rest of this chapter, and I want to just park on verse 30 just for a moment. Now, this is John saying, John the Baptist, he must become greater and I must become less. See, John was still doing his work of baptizing people and telling them about Jesus. And, and some of his followers had heard about Jesus and his followers. He said, hey, what's going on here? Um, he's getting more attention than you are. Maybe we should go talk to him. Maybe we should do something about this. And I goes, no, no. He says, I was purely here. My work, my calling, my life, my love was to prepare people for Jesus. And now that he is here and people are seeing him, he must become greater and I must become less. And I want to encourage all of us too to be like John and to point people to Jesus. That is our joy in our life. But as we look at the story and this interaction with Nicodemus, he went to the trouble of approaching Jesus at night, whatever the reason was for. And yet the story just ends, or it appears to. What was Nicodemus's response to this incredible news? They had such a hard time comprehending, understanding. Did Nicodemus, as in Jesus' words, become born again? Well, John doesn't actually say. And what? I want to know what happened. I can't imagine, and could you imagine reading a novel only to discover that the final two pages are missing? We're not told, at least not here. But, if we continue through the book of John, a little bit later in chapter 7, Nicodemus's story continues. See, the group of Pharisees, they're at a point where they've just had enough of Jesus. And they want to arrest him for his outrageous claims and statements about God. And in that moment, we read that Nicodemus stands up to defend Jesus amongst this council. And then later, right towards the end of the book in John chapter 19, Jesus has been crucified and we discover that Nicodemus spends a significant amount of his own money to prepare Jesus' body and he tends to it and gives him a proper burial. So while it doesn't actually say that Nicodemus was born again, there's no definitive statement in the Bible that this decision was made. But do his actions of defending Jesus in public and then caring for the body of Jesus demonstrate his faith? they sure appear to. And so I want to challenge us. May there be evidence of our faith by what we do. Don't leave people wondering if you are born again. And maybe for some of you, don't wait another day to be born again through the Spirit of God. See, the beautiful thing is, the beauty of all of this is, you can go to Jesus anytime. And don't worry, he's awake and he's waiting. 
Now, God, we thank you for this opportunity to see how through Jesus you came to save, not to condemn. And God, approaching you at any time is appropriate. It's a good time to meet with Jesus. God, thank you for what you have done through your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. And that we would just receive it and look upon you as our salvation. And God, if that has yet to be our experience, God, even in this moment, in this time, I pray that your spirit would move through the hearts and minds. And God, people, those who may be hearing this for the first time, or God, maybe it's the tenth time, but they have never come to Jesus. God, may this be the time, may this be the moment that a life has changed for all eternity. Not worried about being condemned for our past or our problems, but being received. Because that's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save. And God, may that be our experience because of your grace. Continue with us, God, as we daily learn how to receive the wonder of your grace and live according to the moving of your spirit. And may that be just as tangible as, as our sight and our touch and our hearing and our tasting. That the work of, of you through the spirit would be evident amongst us. Continue with us, God, we pray in your grace as we too seek as your church to show people Jesus who saves. Thank you, God, for this time, for your word, for the wonderful story of Jesus and your great love for us. Amen. It's been a joy to be together with you discovering the wonder of Jesus and who he is and what he continues to do. And uh, if you hang around for a little bit, we've got a few things for you to consider and, and to discuss um, about being introduced uh, to Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world. Thank you. All right, well, thank you everybody for joining us this morning. It's been a great morning so far. And thank you, Doug, for uh, yeah, moving us through, uh, going through the Gospel of John. One chapter each week is what our plan is. Yeah. And, you know, I do, I'll do. i throw just an extra invitation is, I think a big hope for us, like we're going through one chapter a week and there's so much, you could do three sermons per chapter, oh. <laughs> probably 12 actually. For sure, um, for sure. And, you know, we're, we're hoping and asking uh, if you read along and don't even just like get through chapter, you know, each chapter, next week will be chapter four, like read it a few times, get some meat out of it. So that this is just a piece of how you are moving through this series with us as well and yeah. not depending on it to explain everything going yeah. on. Right? And, and they can also, you guys can also send us thoughts and questions in yeah, your yeah. reading as well. And we can dialogue and discuss because there's so much here. And yeah. we're just scratching the surface um, 15, 20 minutes a chapter a, a week. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got two specific thoughts for us to dwell on to kind of work this sermon into our lives this week, I, eh? I do. Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about this a little bit because I, I love to hear stories, stories from the Bible. And I love to hear people's individual stories. And this, this is one of the one that excites me the most. Um, what were the circumstances in which you were, to use Jesus' words, we, we don't talk about these words often, we supplement them with different ideas and concepts, but Jesus said to be born again. Mm. What were the circumstances, um, Grant, about yeah. you being born again, discovering Jesus? Born again, well, and, and you know, with it, it's, it's a very, whatever, Christianese sounding yeah. thing, born yeah. again, and what does that even mean, yeah. right? But for those non-religious folk of you yeah. out there too, yeah. that, the idea is you know, we have a, if we have a physical birth, we have a physical death, yeah. and that's what Amanda even talked about too. Yeah. So then we need yeah. a spiritual birth to have a spiritual life yeah. as yeah. well and have that continuing right. on. And, and for me, um, I was baptized. I, I remember having, when I was really young, I had a profound uh, emotional impact from a 
Good Friday, Easter sort of service that's put on by a church that just really, and that at least brought to me the weight of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Yeah. Uh, and then from there on, a lot of my life is developing, right. like, you know, I actually believe that this was all real, did this really happen, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. But then when yeah. I was more in my teen years, uh, it was up at Camp Squia, uh, a worship right. time, a worship right. experience where I heard a very clear voice that gave me the confirmation of like, yeah, this is real and this is something that you should, you, you know, do I want to dive my yeah. life into this? Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you? So I then from there made the choice, I want to be baptized. I want to make this a whole yeah. real commitment of my yeah. life. And then I got baptized in a feeding trough because it was, <laughs> there's nothing uh, else around, but uh, awesome. that's awesome. the circumstances that yeah. led me there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a great shout out to camp, right? The ministry that happens up there and for for myself I was 13 years old and it was after an evening service way back in the day when there were Sunday evening services um, Pastor Ed Gertzen oh he was fired up about the Lord and he just laid down a challenge and I remember going home after that it didn't happen in the service but going home and sitting in the living room um, with my mom and dad and talking to them and they explained it a little bit more to me and that's when it became real Cool. Um, about Jesus Christ and being born spiritually. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So spiritually you're talking about, which I know leads into your next question. Yeah. And we don't talk about the moving of the spirit often within <laughs> the circle of our church, but wow, is it important. Mm. And I think we can maybe attribute its work to, to different factors and things, but no, the spirit of God moves and it's powerful. And I wanted us yeah. to consider how have you, how have we seen the evidence of the spirit, of the moving of the spirit? Mm. Yeah. What, yeah, what would you have to say to well, that? Well, I think what's so key, and I'll just rehash this yeah. from your message this morning, and it's the words right out of Jesus, this idea like, often we think something that's real is only if it's tangible, we can smell, mm. taste, touch, see it and you know that's why we depend like i want to see a miracle happen like can you make gold bricks fall into my front patio right or like you know just fix my car uh, stuff like that like that's a miracle but for myself and how we see it work through the bible something like that too there are physical manifestations of miracles god can just come right into reality like that too more often the holy spirit is moving in ways that is emotional and more almost ethereal is the word i'll use but for me, yeah. the biggest ones I've seen often comes in times where I've been a moderator or, uh, or I guess a mediator yeah. in conflict mm-hmm. as a leader. And I want to come in there and I want to address it, just start throwing fists and kicking down <laughs> doors and just say like, you're wrong, you're right, let's just shut this all down. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm praying for this regularly. This happened like yeah. half a dozen times yeah. in my life. Right. I'm praying for it. And then when it comes down to it, I'm ready to just guns a blazing. And the Holy Spirit is, <laughs> transform people's lives they've made decisions that didn't reflect their emotional situation whatsoever they've either humbled and surrendered they've actually made some powerful moves in their life uh, to change and suddenly it's like wow the conflict has evaporated for nothing else in the work of the spirit to make a huge transformation in somebody's life and that's where i've seen it affect me a whole bunch of times where i probably would have made the wrong choice (laughs) and the holy spirit's held me off enough from just keeping my own emotion outside of leading through that and right. uh, has done amazing work. Wow. And then we can just work on restoration. Yeah. Well, what a testimony um, to the spirit. I know specifically years ago when our family was in, in Rhineland, Saskatchewan and in the youth group there, there was a guy in the high school there who was pretty tough. Uh, long hair, black leather jacket, big black boots up and down the hallways. And as he would walk down the hallway, literally kids would just part. Um, they were scared of him. Mm. Um, one, of the, one of the kids from our youth group invited him to youth and he showed up. Wow. And everybody in the room, they were there, he walked in, everybody just kind of backed <laughs> yeah, up. What do we do? You know, what is he doing here sort of thing. But you know what? Within a week, he received the Lord and his life was transformed. Mm. The Spirit moved in his life. And he would walk down the hallway of his high school and rather than people running from him, well, they still kind of did at first, but he would literally go up to people and he would grab them and tell them they needed to receive Jesus. They <laughs> That's needed, a you know. <laughs> kind of aggression that maybe we need more of. <laughs> and, eh? <laughs> and you know, and he, I think it kind of scared the Lord into some people, but it was just a transformation of his wow. life. And he still kind of looked the same, the long hair, the leather, but wow, the, the testimony of his life was just incredible. And so it can be dramatic like that. Yeah. But I think even times in me, I think the spirit has moved. It's just changed my attitude sometimes. Mm. You know, a a little bit bitter towards something and all of a sudden um, 
I'm just kind of transformed in how I feel or respond to a situation and I know it's really not me. Mm. It's the spirit moving through me um, in a quieter, subtler way than sure. jumping at people. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, right? That can be good too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, this feels like a lot like it's, it's kind of some micro testimony bit yeah. of a morning. So, yeah. you know, yeah. for those of you who are still watching along mm -hmm. and stuff like that, um, throw some of this out onto that oh, chat feed. Yeah. Encourage each other with some testimony stories like this. Yeah. Uh, share with it, uh, even times mm -hmm. that you might have seen in other people's lives or your own. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's great, you know, like testimony, which really is just sharing experiences yeah. that have happened to you. And with this, you know, we're specifically saying mm -hmm. how the Holy Spirit has been yeah. part of your life. Um, yeah, share that with each other. It's fantastic. We will see you next week, Cedar Valley. Thanks for joining in this morning and keep this going on with you. Fantastic, Cedar Valley. See you next week.